everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Rumcast. I'm Will Hookinga, and joining me in spirit right now for this quick little intro is John Gulla somewhere in Miami. This episode is part two of our interview with Mark Rainier and Jane Nurse from Renegade Rum Distillery in Grenada. So if you missed part one, go back and check that out now. It's the previous episode, episode number 74. Mark is the founder and CEO. Jane is the environmental compliance and public relations officer. She describes herself as the distillery's Swiss army knife, so wears lots of hats. And in part one, they took us through kind of the, the journey of building the distillery from scratch, planting hundreds of acres of sugarcane, all the many ups and downs, setbacks, surprises that happened along the way, and a bit about kind of their whole philosophy behind the distillery, behind their approach to making fresh cane juice rum that highlights terroir. Part two really goes deeper into the rum itself, and we get into some really interesting discussions of how the production process impacts terroir and spirits, you know, why they made the choices they did when it comes to yeast, distillation, aging, and all those variables that end up impacting what comes out uh, at the end in the bottle. Um, We also talk about what the next few iterations of aged rum releases will look like as they work toward releasing what is kind of their ideal of of what they want their rum to be and uh, everything that the future holds. So have a listen, sit back, and enjoy. So switching gears here, I think it's easy for spirits enthusiasts and rum enthusiasts in particular to see how different places can produce different cane, different cane juice. But then you get into what do you do with the juice once you have it, right? And that's where all these other variables can come in from how you choose to ferment it, how long, what kind of yeast, uh, how are you going to distill it? There's all these variables, and I think it's it's debatable, you know, how much influence each phase has. And Mark, as you were saying earlier, people have different thoughts on that. And then there's aging, which is a whole other thing. But what, what I wanted to ask is, how do you design a production process from the yeast you choose to use to how you choose to ferment it to, I know you have, you have a column still, you have a pot stills. How do you produce the spirit in a way that kind of maximizes or really accentuates the, the early stage, the agricultural part of the process? How do you see all those pieces fitting together? Well, the, the Renegade Distillery was designed in Oxfordshire. That's where it started. That's where it at least started hmm. uh, um, with, you know, Booker Tate and how you know, we could do this. And I remember one of the first meetings we had with our engineers, FDT, who um, built uh, Waterford. And we, we had the sugar guys, we had the, the engineers, and we sat in a room. And I remember thinking, the first thing I said was, we are not going to copy anything that's out there. Hmm. This is blue sky thinking. Mm-hmm. We got the chance the first time to build a distillery from the ground up with totally you know, new thinking. It, you know, we're not just going to go, oh, well, you know, off the shelf, you know, here's a distillery. That, you, know. you didn't want to look at like how Martinique does it or anything like nothing. that? Nothing. Okay. Absolutely nothing. And, and I, I've always felt strongly about this. I think you start looking at what everybody else is, then you start getting it. No, you've got a vision. You know what you want. Hmm. But, uh, uh, how are we going to achieve it? And so, you know, this is Bruce I thinking. So we started with the waste streams. What are we going to do on a pristine island 
where we're going to build a, a greenfield site. Um, and I've been around the Caribbean. I've seen what people do with, with, with the, 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 the waste stream emissions, you know, what goes yeah. up the chimney. Yeah. And, you know, the, you know, the Vinas or the Dunder, mm -hmm. or, you know, what, what happens after distillation. What, and I've seen, you know, horrified at how, you know, this stuff's just dumped down into aquifers and uh, put into rivers and, uh, 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 and streams and everything and stinking the place out. So, so, you know, we have an obligation, you know, a responsibility. That's one of the reasons we, we first talked with Jane. Uh, with, with her environmental background. Mm -hmm. How are we going to do this? Um, we started the design of the distillery from the back. The whole, this whole project is upside down and back to front. It totally is. We had to grow the cane first to prove that we could grow enough before we could press the button on building the distillery. That's why we've been at this so long. Mm -hmm. When I first arrived, you know, uh, we, we didn't talk about this, but when I first arrived, I intended to replicate what we'd done at Waterford, what we'd done at Brooklady, which is to, you know, say to farmers, look, you know, I want to distill your results. I want to, you know, what you grow, I right. want to distill. You weren't so, able to do that here. No. Yeah. Because, you know, it, it, because that revolution of, of, of 1783 shut down agriculture so there's a generation that just has no experience of agriculture at all i think it can also it, it can also take a lot of trust as well you know if someone comes yeah, and says sure. i want you to grow this and like you know it's barely seen a tractor you know so so, so not once uh, three years of trying not one farmer said yeah you know what I, i'm up to that you know there was a lot of suspicion you know a, a, you know an incomer cane again you know, oh, that, like so, you were talking so, about we, earlier yeah Mm -hmm. So we had to be the farmer. And so we started a process. You know, how much do we want to be here? This isn't looking good at this rate. You know? So if we're going to do this here, we're going to have to be the farmer. We're going to have to get the machinery. We're going to have to get the ground. We're going to have to do it ourselves. So then started this, this process of trying to identify what ground can we, you know, what flat ground, what you know, harvestable ground, cultivatable ground can we get? Um, and so it started with, I think the first one we did uh, was Hope, the, 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 you know, the remains of Hope right. Estate, and mm -hmm. then Bacalet Estate, and then we gradually, Westerhall, which used to be a distillery, mm -hmm. and then round up up the, the west side of Dunfermline, used to be a distillery, and then up to Pearls, up to Point, and then we gradually got the critical mass that it made it worthwhile pressing the button to mm -hmm. build the distillery. Back to front, as yeah, I say. Yeah. So now we're building the distillery. We've designed it again, back to front. We started with what do we do with the emissions up the chimney, and what do we do with the wastewater, yeah. which is a euphemism for, for you know for binas, wash mm -hmm. down water, mm -hmm. cleaning water, all the liquid you know, that, 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 right. that uh, a, a distillery generates. And that's when we came up with this the idea of. Uh, the emissions was relatively simple. You just have to put lots of or four systems in place to clean the emissions. So, you know, that's relatively, that's an engineering solution. Mm. The wastewater, well, but there we've got, we need to sediment out the solids. We need to correct the, the neutrality of the acidity, alkalinity. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, we need to reduce the temperature. Then we can pass it through a trench system that follows the contours of the hill at two meters depth, a, a process called phytoremediation, hmm. where it percolates through the soil over a month 
before it gets to the mangrove as fish food. So that phytoremediation process where the roots and the root nodules of the plants and the trees growing above it clean, remediate Mm -hmm. uh, 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 the soil after the passage uh, passage is a percolation. It's a, a, a hydrostatic percolation. So it's a very clever system, but it, you know, it requires vision and it requires money. It's not cheap yeah. and it requires a care and attention and operation of, and, and planning, but it is possible. So our chimney emissions are a third of the uh, World Health Organization Australian limit. And our, our, our vinas is fish food. One of the things I wanted to get to is, again, once you, you, you have the systems in place, you have the, the distillery set up to kind of be self-sustaining and everything, once you have the raw material there and you begin the process of you know, turning it into rum, how, what influenced the decisions you made in terms of how do we bring out the taste of you know, the terroir well, as much as possible. Well, and and the, part, part, of the, part of the reason I, part of the reason I ask is because we, we have a, like a monthly happy hour we do with listeners of the podcast sometimes. And very organically, this was this past Wednesday night. Um, they were asking us, you know, who, you know, who are some people you were planning to interview this year? And someone was like, Hey, what have you guys heard about renegade rum? Yeah. And I was like, we're actually speaking to Mark and Jane on, on Saturday. And you know, we started talking about terroir and everything and one of the questions that came up was, if you're trying to capture that taste of, uh, you know, the soil, the, the area, wouldn't, you, you, wouldn't you use wild yeast was one of the things that came up, which, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think you do. And, and, I, and to me, that doesn't negate what you're doing. Um, yeah. It's just, it's a decision. And I, mm-hmm. I, I just wanted to know, like, well, how, how do you decide, like, what else are we going to do in the production process to really bring out what we want? A, that's quite a Great quite question. Quite a big. Quite a big, quite a big question there. So, we so, just so, do the easy ones, the softball yeah, questions. Yeah. On the so, so, so we, we, so we talked about how we built this series. So we yeah. started at the back, the, the, yeah. the waste streams. I, I also put up, and I'm not trying to save the planet. I'm not some eco warrior, eco loon. You know, I'm a pragmatist. I'm a businessman. I'm a distiller. Uh, I'm a natural flavor seeker, mm. um, and it's entirely, to, in, in, in my view. Uh, a responsibility that one should have that if you are going to come to this place, this beautiful place, you have a responsibility. Yeah. Okay, so, so, you know, that, let's get that clear. Secondly, um, as we move back through the process, it's a circular uh, um, operation. You have cane coming in at one end, it goes through milling, it generates the bagasse. The bagasse, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we then uh, feed into the biomass boiler, which creates the steam which goes to the stills yep. and the juice that goes to fermentation. And then the fermentation comes to the stills. And then from the stills, it goes to the warehouse. So it's a very ergonomic mm-hmm. setup. And that's how we designed the distillery. You can stand in the middle. We call it the grassy knoll. <laughs> and from there, you can see the whole thing yeah. all around you. So, you know, it's, it's very, you know, ergonomically cleverly designed. So as we come back, the, the, the biomass boiler has to be fed very, and this is a, often a problem that people don't understand with you know, renewable energy, is you know, tail, dog, wag. So, so we have to feed very carefully, very precisely, the biomass boiler, creating the steam, some of which goes to generate 
our electrical requirement, um, some of which goes, the majority of which goes to produce the steam for distillation. Mm-hmm. Um, but coming back through the system, that feeding of the, the biomass boiler is controlled by what the rate at which we mill. And then the feeding of the mill is determined by how far away the uh, farms are and how long it takes to get the cane there and the rate at which we can cut that cane. So you're going right back to the front. Everything, our right. unit of distillation is determined by how much we can, dis- we can cut in a day. And that's one and a half acres. Mm-hmm. That's 70 tons. That's our base unit. Okay. And so we can ferment that base unit, that one and a half acres, separately. We've got what we call the wine rack. Mm-hmm. It's an innovative fermentation system set up, which um, uses two rows of six fermenters. They have a capacity. It's not what we fill them to. It has a fabricated capacity of 40,000 liters each one. We used at the most, half of that of each. So, so something often people confuse. They, they, they think of you know, you know, capacities and that's the volume you make. No. Right. Uh, um, you don't operate these things at full capacity. Full, yeah. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. so, you, know, you need headspace, you need, you know, all mm-hmm, sorts of mm-hmm. so, so the wine rack, which in itself was a construction nightmare, and that base, I won't even go into that. There's a video somewhere on the website. More pain. Yeah. You what happened. Uh, uh, the difference between seven millimeter steel and 10 millimeter steel. Let me just put it at, at, at Three millimeters. And a lot of heartache. Uh, so, so, so those fermenters, normally, normally you'd see, you know, any brewery, you'd see fermenters stacked like yeah. this. Uh-huh. Yeah. Next to one another. Yeah. So, so in the Caribbean, we have here 30 degrees Celsius every hour, every day, 365 mm-hmm. a year, mm-hmm. right? But, you know, this is not the Hebrides of Scotland. Right. We're, <laughs> it's a tropical, lot of heat. And we're dealing with sugar. And sugar and the heat creates volatility. Mm-hmm. So when you ferment in a modern fermenter, yes. you have all the conditions are right for an extremely volatile fermentation. That carbon dioxide, as you know, heat is generated, more heat, right. and you, you're generating carbon dioxide. If you did that, it would be like Pepsi. So, so, so you can't temperature control that. Mm. It's too volatile. I want to temperature control. Now, what you're, is You're not seeking control? volatility. Yes, but people need, you know, what is temperature control? Mm. It's, you're not freezing the stuff. Mm. It's not, it, it, right, it's not right. stabilizing. Yeah. You're talking about five degrees Celsius. Mm. Yeah. That's all. It's keeping a lid on five degrees Celsius. So what is essentially the difference between 28 degrees Celsius and 33? That's what we're trying to do. We're trying Mm. to stop it going too warm. So it's like a blanket, right? But you can't do it like that. So if the idea we put in place was if you put it horizontally, you've now got the headspace, mm. you've got much greater surface area. Right, right. Therefore, no volatility at all. Now, you can put a lid on that temperature. Now, why do we want to put a lid on the temperature? Because we don't want volatility. Mm-hmm. We want intensity of flavor, natural flavor, intense. Now, this came from Burgundy. Then when they worked out that if you took 
just leaving it to ambient temperature and actually intervene by keeping that lid, stopping that the fermentation curve going too fast, you get greater intensity of flavors, natural, pure, clean flavors. Now, these are self-contained uh, um, stainless steel so that you know, we have to maintain. You know, if you go that route, you have a whole different set of issues. You, hygiene beat the biggest one. What we're trying to do is keep out the bacteria. Mm -hmm. We want to introduce the yeast so we know that it's the terroir doing the talking, not alien-introduced bizarre bacteria. So we use a yeast that has been uh, bred specifically for sugarcane. Mm. Right. So we are standardizing that input. So right. that that right. cane yeast is going to do the same thing to all to everything. Right. Exactly the same. Because I want the terroir to talk. You're going for not, con consistency of variables, not basically. The yeast. Right, right. Yeah. Not the yeast. Well, now, you know, you, you, you've seen it in wine, you've seen it in New Zealand, you know, how, how they, they propagated yeast specifically there. And it gives a very distinctive New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc flavor mm. that you do not get anywhere else in the world. To me, yeast, and people ask me this about Waterford, well, you know, why don't you play with yeast? I've got all the kit to do it. I can play with yeast and the cows come home. <laughs> but that's like a big, broad, vulgar brushstroke. And I don't want that. I want the natural acari flavors from the terroir. And I want to see them, not an introduced, you know, broad brushstroke. So our whole fermentation system, which is without doubt the most important part of in my book of any distilling operation or any wine operation, is the fermentation, is about how do we get the purity of flavor in. And that means excluding, because remember the heat, the sugar, uh, you know, the 30 degrees heat, we cannot, we do not want the introduction of bizarre haphazard uh, bacteria, because you then get a bacteriological nightmare occurring. Now, you know, people say, oh, yeah, 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 but, but what about sort of, you know, uh, uh, um, you know the, traditional, the traditional way? Now, that's a good point. And I've seen it. Uh, you know, the dunder pits and the stuff that goes into them and, and the lime and, the, you know, all, all the stuff that gets added. I don't want to go there. I understand how it evolved and mm. why, because there wasn't electricity. Um, you know, you, you couldn't do the, 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 you know, the, the temperature control that we're talking about. And so that was the only other way. You had, you know, you couldn't ship in yeast. You had to recycle your own. I understand that. It's what breweries used to do, you know, when you had regional breweries. Fine, no problem. And that means, you know, uh, um, because you're not adding yeast, you're, you're using indigenous, you know, from that dunder pit, it's a much slower process. Yeah, very slow. And anything goes. Anything goes. There is and cannot be any consistency or very private, not a problem. You're dealing with molasses, not an issue, all right? Carry on. I just want to do it a different way. I want the hygiene. I want the control. I want the terroir talk. And that's because we're using sugarcane. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it, it does. And I think, to me, this is always one of the things that's been so appealing about rum is I can taste a renegade rum and get that approach I can taste a Rivers Antoine rum and get the other approach, you know, still Grenada, still cane juice, 
more wild yeast, things like that, and you can see the differences. There's different perspectives, sure. and I don't sure. think I don't think any sure. approaches, you know, right or more wrong. right or wrong. No, it's, it's a the, viewpoint. They're, they're different, and you can see how they yeah. evolve. Mm -hmm. That's that's sure. Well, yeah. you know, we're talking about a modern distillery. You know, a distillery. I'm not replicating what's been before. Yeah, I'm mm -hmm. starting mm -hmm. again. We know the science. You know, we know what fermentation does. So this is this is that Burgundian Bordeaux. Uh, uh, renaissance of the 80s, you know, but, you know, but run, we know the science. Back in the past, they had to make do. They didn't have the technologies we have available today. You know, there's also a romance, a certain romance about uh, a natural yeast or natural wine. Well, to be honest, you know, between us, you know, I'm not a fan of natural wine because what natural wine means is, is it's a hair shirt, you know, I, I like wine with texture and body. You know? so, 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 you know, you know, you know, I want it to be made the normal way. I, I don't uh, think we uh, have with... that many wine people in our audience, by the way. So yeah. you don't have to worry about you don't have to worry about pissing but, anyone but, off. But, <laughs> you know, I want it to be the you know, I want organically grown uh, uh, um, grapes. I want biodynamically grown grapes, and I want it vinified, you know, in, in the simplest way possible. But to actually want the hair shirt, you no. Know, Leave me out. You know, I don't want a thin, you know, so you know, you know, holier than thou, uh, uh, but you know, hair shirt approach. Well, so 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 I think the thing with that there is quite often with these terms a slight sort of uh, misconception. You know, a natural yeast that sounds better than cultured mm -hmm. yeast, right? Right. You know, right to a right. lot of ears, you, know, you think, oh no, that's 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 much better having natural yeast. You know, you know having a cultured one that's actually designed. And, and, and propagated specifically for the cat. No, that sounds like manipulated. Well, it's that like, sounds it's like, like GMO doesn't sound so hot either. GMO, right? yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But when in fact, the reality is, is, is so far away. You know. now, now, to put another hat on, okay, we're dealing with uh, 12, soon to be 14 farms. We're dealing with about uh, 75 different terroir, Okay. Subdivided into individual fields, so we're talking mm. probably about 180 individual distillations. Yeah. What we could do, and we've thought a lot about this, is we could propagate yeast mm -hmm. from each of those farms. Yeah. So each farm, you, you, it's very simple. You take leaves and you identify in a laboratory what the yeasts are, right, and you right. you get rid of the ones that are nasty, the ones that are virulent. The ones that are, you know, have bad flavors, mm -hmm. and you select the ones that are good, and you develop those and breed those up, and you can uh, um, create a, a bespoke yeast. Now, you know, you think again, like Wolfberg, you think, yeah, 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 great idea. Let's do that. Let's do that. Brilliant. We'll have, we'll have different. But the reality is, you can't do it um, with so many variables of origin. It would, it would be a biological uh, nightmare. Mm. Uh, um, to separate out all those you know, all those different yeasts, yeah, yeah. so 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 no, it's 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 just not practical, you know. What we could do, and we probably will do, if when we've got things going, you know, you know, you know, better, is we will propagate a single yeast. So what we're buying at the moment is is it's not to shelf cane appropriate uh, right. um, yeast mm -hmm. from Lalman, mm -hmm. and what it will do for us once we get the volumes and we know exactly what it is that we need, have the volume that we need, they are quite prepared to help us create a renegade 
yeast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, um, and we'll do that. One step at but a time, it, right? It needs to be one. It yeah. needs to be one because, okay. remember, we want the terroir to talk. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so I think there's often a misunderstanding, uh, again, about what terroir is. Yet those flavor compounds in the cane, we want one yeast yep. that's going to transform those flavor compounds into these ones or uh, move them from here to there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So we, you know, we want one. We don't want, you know, lots of different ones. Right. That sort of starts to negate you know, the, those influences the of difference of, of, you're of, trying of, to see. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. We we've had. Yeah, a... I mean, I mean, here I've got two, two. These are both uh, from the Hope Farm. They are from the Boulders Terroir and from the uh, Hope City Terroir. You know, Mark. Mark, this is like a soft form of torture. Here, are you showing us all this without <laughs> us being able to experience but, it. But, 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 I mean, but, but the thing is, the thing is just you know, on the nose, they are just you know, they are obviously clearly you know, rum from the same uh, uh, style of distillation. Right, right. But they've got different nuances. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. They've got different nuances. So. You know, one is op- more open. The other one is is tighter. You know, one is one is sort of richer. The other one is it, it's more spicy. Well, fine. Now. This is the point we're getting at here. I told you it's about building blocks. We have yep. got warehoused away an unprecedented number of component renegade rums. Mm-hmm. Each of these, each of these is a standalone renegade run. Right. Sure. But that's the beginning. The it's aim how you put the components is to together. bring them together. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. That is the whole aim of renegade rum. It's the answer to that original question. You have breadth of flavor with rum. How do we get depth of flavor and expansion of flavor? And my very simple philosophy is by having, identifying those terroir-derived natural flavors and then assembling them together to create the biggest mindfuck possible. So <laughs> that's the mission. That's the mission. Statement, one way to right? put it. Yeah. So, 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 you know, just to be clear here, you know, what we're doing with Renegade, we start with obviously white spirit, white, white right. rum. Okay. So that's pre-cast. That's clues in the name. <laughs> it's before it goes into barrel. So here we have in this instance, uh, Lake Antoine, lower crater lake. So that's where the soil's richer yep. at the bottom from the Goat Hill Farm feel, right? <laughs> so, that's, so that is one uber, uber specific. You know, this is a spotlight right yeah. onto, uh, uh, um, so that, that's before it goes into barrel. Now we have in barrel. So this is a two, a study. Mm-hmm. So this is, this is saying, this is sharing with people that terroir precision, it's the farm of New Bacalette. Mm-hmm. This one's from the Upper Coo. Okay, it's from the Goats Hill field. It's Goats Goats Hill. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, close um, <laughs> It seems like these releases are not the final destination. No, you're showing, no, no, but, but, no way. But, but you're not you're not waiting to get there before right. showing people the rum. You're saying here's the pieces, the building blocks we're yeah, creating along exactly. the way. Right. And also, right. keep in mind this, that. This is because every, we couldn't every... help ourselves. We wanted to show you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we wanted to show you what terroir does without wood. So you can see for yourselves what we're mm-hmm. talking on about. Well, you know, this is what, what, rum, this is, this is what is... Rum, rum geeks want. They want right. to see yeah. these pieces. No, so, agreed. Yeah. This is what happens two years later. This is one I made earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, okay, fine. This is an etude, the clues in the name. Yeah. It's a study. 
And this will always be a hyper, hyper-focused, terroir precision uh, bottling. Yeah. We'll probably release them always in pairs, a compare and contrast, mm. upper yeah. slope, lower slope, yeah. column still, pot still. You know, it's, it's for, for people to share and have fun with. Different you know, varietals is, maybe too, yeah. This is one of the ingredients, okay? Now, yeah. if we put those etudes together from within that farm, now we've got upper, lower, middle, north, south, all of these with their different uh, flavor characteristics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A symphony. Now we're starting, <laughs> yeah, now you're starting is a to good put way layer upon layer yep. upon layer of flavor. You're starting to create that complexity. Mm-hmm. You're, you're bringing together uh, the different terroir-defined natural flavors like a giant sort of milfoy gatto. Mm-hmm. Now that <laughs> first bottling now I'm hungry, will be yeah. coming out. Will be coming out, and, and this this idea we call it's called the cuvee concept, the right. concept of the right. cuvee, right. bringing together these components. Now that will come out in uh, the end of this summer. Okay, right, the end of this summer. So we're getting and close. We, we, this I said at the beginning, we're starting it. You know, it's it's happening now. Yeah. now after all this gestation, now we're getting that. That that's in the U.S. and the EU, by the way. Yes, Just correct. For people to correct. Okay, okay. Right. Well, well. So, 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 so the bringing together of those components to create this this complexity of flavor um, that I've been so eager to find. Now, that's not the end, because in the summer of next year, so hey, what, 12, 14 months away. Mm-hmm. We then bring the single farms together. Mm-hmm. So now we're talking about that uh, um, potential of 12 stroke, 14 farms of uh, right. 75 terroir, two distillation techniques, um, individual, you know, the hundreds. We're talking about an unparalleled uh, coming together of individually obtained yeah. flavors. And this is the key to it. It's you know, some people say, oh, well, that's, you, you, you're just, it's so what everybody else does. You're just putting all the barrels together and here you go. Well, yes and no. Because you're curious. These aren't just that. any mm-hmm. barrels. Mm-hmm. These aren't just any. These are terroir defined, individually distilled, field by field distillers with their own identities, their own DNAs, each of which is a standalone bottling. And yet we're bringing them together to create this complexity. That's the depth and the expansion right. uh, uh, and breadth of flavor that we're looking for. So it's not just throw it all together. No, it's, you have to build, build these, mm-hmm. uh, like, mm-hmm. like, a, like a, a, an orchestra, as you said. You know, exactly. You build mm-hmm. these flavors. You start with the base and you, uh, and you work up. So mm-hmm. in a very short order, um, our players will be on the pitch. You know, we started <laughs> with white, we started with etude, then we go to single farms. We're mixing metaphors we here to, yeah. all over the place. <laughs> then we go, then we go to multi-farm. Yeah, we're yeah. eclectic. Uh, yes. Multi-farm, the renegade rum. So if anybody said, well, what is, you know, what, what's your, it's the renegade rum. A multi-farm, multi-terroir, multi-field, bringing together. And of course, you know, what we did discuss earlier was, was you know, we talked about barley being sadly, um, unless you go, back to old varieties right. very flavor wise very 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 sort of uh, um cane similar. is different cane is very different yeah and for the simple reason that most of the research in the caribbean sort of came to an end that wound down you know during the 70s and the 80s and so a lot of the varieties we've got are 
um, and we started with six, that we tissue cultured to get genetically clean material because Grenada to us uh, was a blank canvas. It gave us the chance to introduce or reintroduce genetically clean cane, so not disease susceptible. Uh, um, and and we, we chose six varieties uh, to see which ones grew best on, on which terroirs. And of course, that itself is a terroir play, you know, that some grow better on certain places than others. You know, that's, that's a terroir play. So, so we have, in addition, varietal differences as well. And then, of course, we have distillations. Everything is, it, we, we have two opportunities. We, we have that traditional Adams uh, pot still and double retort. Fine. That gives you a, a, a weighty texture spirit. Mm-hmm. And I was going to leave it at that until Richard Forsyth, who uh, uh, manufactures these stills a bit, and whom I've known you know, for many years since it's Brooklyn and Waterford days, he said, I, you know, I can, I can make you a column still. And I said, no, no, I don't want one of them. Yeah. You know, they, they produce shit spirit, uh, um, you know, <laughs> silent spirit. You know, mm-hmm. That's the volume. I don't need that. And we were sitting here in this very room. And he said, he said well, actually, you know what? I can make you one that you can batch operate that will give you an extraordinary flexibility of distillation options. So, so I got really interested. You, you think, oh, yeah, you know, tell me more, tell me more. And, and so, so you, know, you need to think of a column still like a clarinet. So you've got right. lots mm-hmm. of different mm-hmm. takeoff points. And so we have it in two parts. And the, what we have is we have eight takeoff points where we can – as the spirit uh, arises through the through the still, we can take off certain elements at different levels. Right. Yeah, okay, nothing new there, but we can reintroduce them back into the column, mm-hmm. lower down or higher up, or not at all. Mm-hmm. So, so think of it like a clarinet. So, yeah, it gives you the ultimate inflexibility to 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 be creative, and also um, more scale in, in, as well. Sure. So, so, so we haven't started playing tunes. Yet, um, we are merely operating the, it in its batch mode uh-huh. to give us that fruitier spirit alongside a heavier spirit. A pot still so spirit, yeah. Again, with the etude and with the precast, you know, we specify pot still, column still, again, because it's quite fun to, to, to experiment between the two. Mm-hmm. But also to see, you know, if you take one field, you take one farm, one terroir, and you distill it two ways, well, right. okay. Does the terroir still come through? Right. You bet. You bet. Why wouldn't it? Why wouldn't it? So that but you can bring the, out different aspects of it, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. In the way we're running it at the moment, it's giving you that that fruitier mm-hmm. spirit for the simple reason you're, you're you're distilling it to a higher percent. It's logical, but I want that because I want first of all to see what happens. Right. You know, how how does that portray? And secondly, because you know, really, I want to put those together again. To give you different ingredients, you know, think of it, think of it like a, a chef. You know, if you're yeah. at home, you know, you get home and you open the fridge and there's nothing in it, you know, an egg, you know, you go brilliant, you know. But think <laughs> of it, you open it up and it's full of all these different, you know, brilliant. You know, you got things. You'll try this with this. That's what it's about. It's, right. it's about having options. It has. It's about creativity. It's about not being tied to a, a, a mono thing. Mm-hmm. It's ex- it's exploring and enjoying the the, the creative, uh, and you can't do it unless you've got them in the warehouse. Yeah, it's right. as simple as that. Right. 
Right. So laying down those ingredients is our ultimate pleasure for Devon to, to be able to interpret them whichever way we, we want. If we haven't even talked about wood. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I was going to mention that. So I, before we get there, maybe um, we've talked about all these steps that you've put so much intentionality into to start with. And now there's the element of saying, OK, how do we communicate that? to people who are interested in this, especially rum enthusiasts, but everybody who picks up a bottle. And so you made the decision to put a QR code on the back of all those bottles, um, which has a plethora of information about how the rum was made and all of the stuff that we yes. really talked about in the decisions. So I, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about that. At what point did that decision come into play where you thought, boy, we've got a lot to tell people about and how are we going to do that on the back of a bottle that's this big? And can you talk a little bit more about how you came to that decision? Sure, sure. There's a number of reasons here. First of all, as I said, there's four, four parts to Renegade. The precast. We'll carry that on. One or two, you know, mm -hmm. that will carry on. People use them in cocktails. You know, it, it, they use the temperature. Very interesting in France. They, when they make cocktails, they, they, they tend to put them on, a, on ice mm -hmm. and build the cocktail in that glass. And, of course, ice anesthetizes uh, flavor. Mm -hmm. so, so the cocktail, when you, when you take it, Tastes of the added bits and pieces, you know, cherries or whatever it is. And then like a time bomb, the rum <laughs> comes through. Uh -huh. Like, 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 you know, you know, the final furlong of a race comes charging through. So, mm. you know, playing on that thermal effect you know, of, of this extraordinary flavor. Because remember, this is Scottish distillation, French inspiration. That's what that's what we're talking about here. We're not making rum agricole. You know, this is Scottish distillation. This is, you know, a much more robust spirit. But the inspiration is certainly French. You know, that, mm -hmm. that, that's no, no doubt. You know, I, I take my hat off to, to, to those guys. Cane is what I want to do, the natural produce. Yeah. And the perspiration is everyone who works in a distillery, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I, in fact, that's, that's a good point. You know, the French have distilled uh, sugarcane because of Lord Nelson blockading Martinique and Guadeloupe during the Napoleonic Wars. They couldn't get the sugarcane back to Europe, so they distilled it. So, you know, that was a happenstance. Adam, the Frenchman, designed the Potsdam double, treble, quadruple, quintuple retorts. It was a French idea. So, so there's, there's a lot of you know, history here, which you can you can you can delve into. Well, what, what we're talking about? We're talking about um, the cane code. What, what was the, the cane code? The cane, yeah. the cane code. Yeah. The decision so, so, so the cane code is the validation of what we're doing, because as you know, as well as anybody, there is very little transparency. Should we use a, a polite word in how rum's made? You know, as I said earlier, you know, anybody can get their blue. Uh, drums of molasses, and they do fine, not a problem. It's easy come, it's easy go. It's a bit like gin, um, but sugarcane. That's a different story. There's a, there's a whole infrastructure as we as, as we described. Mm -hmm. So the cane code on the back of every bottle, you know, here it is up there. You put that into the website um, renegaderum.com, uh, and it gives you roughly 15 pages of data that substantiates everything. I'm telling you, so you don't have to believe me because I wouldn't believe anybody in the spirits industry. As I said earlier, it's a marketing industry. <laughs> the big guys, you know, they'll tell you whatever you want to hear, whatever you want to hear. And, it, you know, 70% of 80% of a whiskey's flavor comes from the barrel. You know, anything you want to hear. So, so 
I have to be able to validate what I'm saying to you. I have to be able to prove what we're doing on the ground. I have to provide an authority so that the consumer can say, okay, I, I understand what you're doing and I can, I, can, I can see what you're doing. Now, a lot of people probably aren't interested. They just want to drink. Fine, not a problem. So hence this four-tier project, the white run, the study, the etudes, the terroir focus, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the bringing together of those terroirs into a single farm, the cuvee concept, mm-hmm. and then the bringing together of everything, the kitchen mm-hmm. sink, to create the renegade rum. Now, if someone is going to drink one bottle of rum from us, it's going to be the renegade rum. The final one. Now, yeah. if, if you turn it round and you want to go down the rabbit hole, you're mm. very welcome. Okay. But a lot of guys probably won't even bother. You know, fine. You know, that complexity that we put in place is for us to know. And it's for you to share if you wish. And if you don't, we'll just drink and enjoy the purity, the integrity, the honesty, the intensity of these flavors. That's what it's about. So you can engage at whatever level you want, however geeky you want to go. Yeah. You know, we'll hold your hand and lead you through. Uh, and so you can see where we're going. By all means, share the journey of discovery. And if you want to carry on being geeky, 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 well, we can be pretty geeky too. <laughs> um, you, you touched you touched on transparency there, and one. I mean, this comes up all the time um, mm-hmm. in, in interviews we do, uh, conversations. Rum enthusiasts talk about it a lot because it's a, it's a big thing. Um, at least in enthusiast circles, still has a long way to go in more mainstream consumer circles. But there's a growing number of voices among, you know, rum producers, rum enthusiasts, advocating for things, you know, more transparency, fewer additives, uh, in some cases, more widely acknowledged production standards and things like that. And I, I know you have your differences with the way some rums are made. Uh, you know, not not the biggest molasses rum fan, it sounds like. That's fine. There's room for everyone. Although I did, I almost passed out when you said making molasses rum. It's like making gin. But we'll save that argument for another day. But um, <laughs> when you kind of look around the rum world right now, and I'm sure you're aware of these transparency conversations, do you see anyone and it feels uh, that you feel a kinship with or like, yeah, we're kind of fighting a similar fight? How do you look at that? Well, well, as I said earlier, I keep my eyes on the road. Hmm. You have to, in my view. You keep the eyes on the road. I know what we're doing. I know where we've been. I know where we're going. Um, I, do, I do not look either way. Uh, um, you know, blinkered, you can call it. <laughs> Fine. I, I, I know where I'm going. I know what I'm doing. I plow my own furrow. Uh, mm-hmm. um, Figuratively and, and literally, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, yeah because we can I, get Mark out of the field for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> because, because, I, because I think, you know, you know, if you, there's too many distractions. There's too many vested interests. There's too many people, you know, different scales and sizes and doing their own thing. And if you meet guys and they come up to you and they say, well, tell you what they're doing. And we well, are fine. Great. You know, it's, 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 it's great. I'm not saying I'm not going to talk to anybody, but we know where we're going. And we're not going to be distracted uh, by anything else. And I think you have to have that obstinacy. You have to have that vision. Um, we've got a vision, and we know how to you know how we're going to get there. Now, there are obviously the winds of change, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, the people are starting to 
to get more. They realize what the problems have been. I mean, when I started, you know, rum has, I don't know how long I've heard it, that rum's going to be the next big thing. Oh, you know, yeah. Every trade This paper, year's the year. Every trade journal. <laughs> you know, and it's normally the Diageos, the yeah. Pernos, the Bacardis. Rum's going to be the next, you know, some marketing manager. It's going to be the next big thing. It's all, you know, and it never happens. And the reason it never happens in my book, the reason it never does, and, and the thing is, that I can say all this to you because I'm not a rum man. You know, I'm, I'm, I've come from outside. You know? I can say all this. I feel I can, you know, as an observer from the outside, just open the door and come in. I feel I have the right to say these things. But, you know, uh, um, the idea that, well, I, I mean, you can't get anybody to agree anything. Um, you, you see that, you know, in, 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 in our neighbours, where you you've got different product. No, no, I don't mean neighbors here in Grenada. I mean in the in the Caribbean. Yeah, where, where you you've got you got independent bottling brands. You've got uh, domestically produced brands from 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 you know, molasses. You know, some people trying to introduce sugarcane or resurrect sugarcane again. You got there is no uniformity. There is no book. There are no rules, uh, and and this has been part of the problem. That idea that rum's going to be the next big thing. Mm-hmm. Well, if you keep, you know, it's, it's that definition of madness, isn't it? You know, that, <laughs> that thing of if you keep you know, banging your head against the same wall, you know, expecting a different you know, result, you know, that's madness. It ain't going to happen. So if you have the same production values and you keep thinking or wishing that something's going to happen, it isn't until you change your behavior. Until you change what you do, yeah, you know, because and what's been going next- on hasn't worked, has it? You know, so, and, have, so, and hopping onto that, I think. Sorry, Mark, to interrupt there, but I think we're not chasing a fad, and uh, I think I agree with Mark that mm-hmm. we have very strong principles, and those are the guide. It's like our north star. You know, there's purity, there's mm-hmm. flavor, and everything else follows that. And I think, again. We will see whether we're successful once you see the product. And we've gone through the whole pain of creating diversity of expression from the starting point in sugarcane, in every single production step. And that's on parallel to that degree. You know, the, maybe somebody will call it OTT. Maybe we we'll overcomplicate things. But we learn to make our own mistakes. We're not afraid really? of sharing those. We experiment. And I think that is what makes the strength of this project. And so within, just even within that universe, there is so much we are constantly learning and optimizing. Yes. So we are on a, somebody said to the other, they came to the distillery the other day and they called us a campus. And I think <laughs> that's not entirely an app because it is, as much as it's a distillery, it is also <laughs> a campus for rum learning to some extent, right? Yes. And I think one of the guiding principles of, of Renegade in some ways, at least to me, is education. This is, ties back in with the transparency mm-hmm, aspect definitely. that we happen to be riding the wave of a zeitgeist. You know, that's coincidence, maybe a lucky coincidence for us. But it has what we do is because this is what Renegade considers the right path forward for our for our exploration of pure flavors derived from terroir. I, 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 I and I think sorry. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> well, I, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take two minutes out of the two hour block here. <laughs> <laughs> but. But just following on with that, and I think, you know, also the cane code, we haven't even got our definitive rum out in the market yet. Right, We've yeah. been doing market visits, bringing out the rum over the last year and a half. Every time we sit 
with people who are trying to consume this product or chasing it for the very first time, I mean, people are baffled. They're blown out of the water by the, by the concept, by the expressions. And that's for us just a starting point. And I mean, that's the exciting bit. We can even present our component parts and those in and of themselves already are characters. And then think about what we will do once we bring that all together. But it's not just a trend or a fashion that we're following. It's about this intellectual curiosity that we invite people to be part of that exploration. And then it's complex. It is fun. It's a bit unorthodox. But it's also the strength of it. Because while you rest on tradition at the same time, if you're beholden to just the tradition, you will never create anything new. Hmm. And I think that is what we do. It's, what, it's in the name. Yeah. We go against the street Renegade. because we're yeah. Plowing, yeah. plowing a new vision. We made well, that connection. And, <laughs> and, and, and everybody who works on team has a bit of renegade in them. <laughs> and, and of course, you, you know, the thing about uh, it all, the, the, the QR code, the, the, the uh, K code on, on the back thing, it is because it's a validation, as I said. It's a proof. It's an education. But underneath it all, we've got those terroirs. We have, we know, but nobody else does. And so to have the traceability to prove it to you, we have to do that. We have to be able to prove that those terroirs exist, that we're not just making it up. So, which is our industry's you know, big problem, you know, the over-wishful thinking, uh, um, uh, saying that we do this, but actually you do that. Well, we do terroir. And we have to be able to prove it. So we have a data system collecting system, ProTrace, that we designed for Waterford. We've used it for here, which allows us to collect, using blockchain, all the data right the way through. Mm. Weather data, soil data, fermentation data, everything, destination data. And we can share that because that is the validation of what we're doing. Now, the sharing is transparency. Yeah. So terroir without transparency or traceability is nothing. We have to prove it. And, and so that's why we've gone to the nth degree, whether you're interested in it or not. And remember, it runs mm -hmm. for drinking, okay? Runs <laughs> for drinking. Let's not forget. You know? But if you're interested to know what's in your glass, how it got there, and the raison d'etre and the philosophy behind it, well, boy, we can give it to you. Yeah. Um, you could be in the field. You can hear the sound of the dawn. You, know, you can hear the sound of, of, of the cutting, of, of the harvesting. You can hear the birds, the light. You, you can actually immerse yourself uh, as deep as you want. Yeah. Uh, or not at as all. As you're sipping a glass of Renegade. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, I, I think um, the, the larger point you were making about, you know, there needing to be a, a change for something to actually happen with rum. I don't think you'll get any yeah. disagreement from rum enthusiasts about that. I mean, we're talking about that all the time. Mm -hmm. And I, I think I think where you know, where the hard part comes in is how different producers interpret what the change needs to be. And I think there's good mm. there's good things that come out of that and there can be not so good things that come out of that. But as I look more around the space and talk to more people, as, I mean, I think this is our third year doing the podcast now. I, I think we're reaching an increasing number of people wanting to 
change things in positive, productive, meaningful ways. And even though you're all kind of doing your own thing, I, I think there's a growing number of people willing to make more commitments to the category to get the stuff that we know exists. At different in it, levels. At different levels, sure. Yeah. Um that again, that's what we that's what John and I know love about it is there's mm-hmm. so many different ways to approach the I mean, when you say the word rum, you can be talking about, you know, an endless number of different things almost, uh, different flavor profiles, different production methods. So well the fact that no one can even make a classic I mean, I mean, everybody's right. tried, uh, right. uh, and no one can agree on that. You know, again, you know, since absurdity that, that you know, rum is this cla- is this category that encapsulates. Well, it doesn't even encapsulate uh, molasses. You know, the people in India doing all sorts of things. Right, right, right. So, right, right. so you know, what are the values here? Mm-hmm. Now, I, I, what I'm saying to you is, I know what my values right. are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's still rum. Mm-hmm. But it, these are my. This is how I'm doing it. I don't care what anybody else is doing. This is what I'm doing. This is how I think it should be done. And and so therefore, yes, there's there's a, 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 a an arrogance to that. I, I accept. But you know, you've got to start somewhere, and you've got to have a vision, and you've got to have the courage, and the team, and the people to put it together. Whether it's the finance, whether it's the you know, the implementation. It's a big thing. We do what we believe. We say what we do. And, you know, I don't think you can go too far wrong with the, with those sort of values. You know, I, I, you know, I think the problem of legislation, the problem of, of, of the category and that happy-go-luckiness wants, you know, not only is it a, a, a huge benefit, but also it's, it's going to be a problem. You know, how are people going to know? How are they going to sort out the bullshitters from the doers? How are they going to sort out, sort out that marketing narrative from the reality? Now, you know, we, we know that, you know, the communication today, um, the ability to see, to find out, to prove whether, you know, if you'd heard, if you heard one thing, you can find out if mm-hmm. it's true. Oh, we, we, we only use sugar. Well, where is it? I can't see it. You know, things are changing. There is now the ability to challenge those big mm-hmm. marketing messages. Yeah. And I think the big guys are a little worried. They well, don't quite and we've, know what to do. We've seen that play out and a lot. And consumers are more, more discerning as well. Right, I mean, right. it's just part of that ability to check on facts. Yeah, <laughs> right. and we haven't touched on this at all and because it's not on Renegade's radar in, in producing, but I mean, the added sugar thing in rum, there have been huge changes in how people talk about that. And we've started to see some changes in producer behavior, not not enough, but some mm-hmm. because of information sharing, Shame. because because Shame. yeah, yeah, because of of people figuring this out and talking about it and making a ruckus. So yeah, I, all all this the changes we need to see, it's there's a fight, I feel like, for all of them. Yeah. And you see that playing out in different ways, whether it's the sugar stuff, whether it's individual countries, you know, trying well, to come together and make a GI and getting other you know, entities to recognize that it's going to be a long process, but there's people, you know, approaching you're, you're it in all right. different ways. But you're absolutely right. You know, you know, who on earth thinks it's normal to add 15 sugar cubes worth to a bottle of yeah, rum? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, who honestly think, you know, now, you know, we, we haven't even talked about wood. Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> I was going to say, we have to have you all back on to talk about like <laughs> wood, aging at some point. Yeah. Well, you know, but but wood wood is terribly terribly important. Yeah, and you know it, the Caribbean has been a repository for you know the debris where barrels go to die. 
you know, I know from Brookladdy, from my very costly uh, uh, experiences there, to, to Waterford, to Renegade, there is no shortcut for decent wood. You have to put your hand in your pocket and buy decent wood, which helps with the maturation, it helps with the extractive capabilities, but also provides you with the harmony of a bottling. Because this is something people forget, the harmony of a bottling. When you drink a renegade rum, you should not taste the wood. Now, that's slightly oxymoronic. You try telling mm. that to an accountant. We're spending all this money on wood <laughs> precisely so you don't taste it. Well, well, but but here's this is an important thing. And when when we have conversations, you know, with with other rum people all the time, one thing that comes up, particularly with cane juice rums, um, I hear this a lot, is people will say, yeah, I'll talk to people who are huge rum agricole fans, and they'll say, um, I love rum agricole. I don't like aged releases quite as much, and it's not universal. But there's there's this idea that the 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 wood can overpower that that broad natural sugar cane mm-hmm. vibrancy right. that you get from the, yep. from the unaged spirit yeah. and, and, but but sometimes you encounter a rum that, that that has done it properly and the aging it doesn't just add the taste of wood to the spirit it brings out other things <laughs> in the spirit right yes. um, and so that's what yeah, that's absolutely. what i think rum people yes. want but, the, but but then but then again it's it, quite often it's laziness you know people you know they get some barrels they fill it up they put it in a warehouse and they forget about it well, that's not good enough. You know, you know, you've got to curate. You've got to curate, particularly in this climate. You know, if you're going to introduce French oak, which I love, well, the simple fact is that French oak is twice as thick as American oak. So guess what? It's got much more impact. Yeah. You've got to keep an eye on it. Mm-hmm. You've got to see how it, the spirit is progressing in the barrels. And when the wood starts to dominate, you've got to get it out of there. Virgin oak, we use virgin French, virgin American. That's, mm-hmm. that's where mm-hmm. the, you know, the, quite often the color comes from. The natural lignins, vanillins, right. and tannins, those two very different oaks. Fine. But, you know, again, you've got to keep an eye on it because, you know, at, at some point that, that uh, uh, of extraction, it's complete. Yeah. And you've got, to, you've got to do something about it. And, of course, this, this goes back to those uh, days of independent bottling of rum and the, uh, the disillusion. Uh, that came from it was that you ended up with these whiskies that were woody as can be. They'd been over aged or mm-hmm. poorly matured. No one paid any attention. And they're just, it's like chewing a bunch of wood. Mm-hmm. I do not want to chew wood. You know, uh, um, <laughs> not you, you a termite. Know, I learned, you know, as, as a wine guy, <laughs> as a wine guy, you know, as a wine guy, my, my upbringing was about we, we would have Sunday lunch. And there'll be a decanter of wine on the table. And we kids couldn't start eating until we'd identified what the wine was in the decanter. Wow. All right. It's now, quite a training. Okay. Discipline. <laughs> okay. But it was it was a question of questions and answers to get there. All right. Okay. So yeah. it wasn't like, oh, that's 1945 Mouton Rothschild. Am I right? No. It <laughs> like was a 20 series questions. Of, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but extraordinarily good discipline. And I'll never forget, you know, what a discipline that was. Uh, I also will never forget how to eat cold Sunday lunch either. <laughs> um, but 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 it's that discipline. It's identifying. It's looking for those flavors. You know, when when you look at the way the industry 
uh, is, is trying to come together, uh, as you said, in, 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 with geographic indicators. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are they? Inevitably, what happens, like any negotiation, you get people sort of say, well, we want you know, to agree. We want concord. Make concessions. Um, so, yeah. so therefore, we're going to capitulate on this. And they mm-hmm. end up being worthless. I mean, I looked at the AOC Martinique rules when we first started. We thought, well, the first thing to do is adopt these. You know, that's somewhere to start. Until you read it through, and it's wonderful French bureaucraties. Uh, um, and it basically means you can do anything. But it's done in such a wonderful way that it's, you know, it sounds like you're going to get the guillotine if you... The, um, but actually, there's very little in it because they've tried to accommodate everybody. And, you know, so, so I mean, think of a GI here. You know, you've got one distillery using cane, uh, arts using cane. You've got one using molasses, one using half and half. How are you going to agree a, a GI on that? You know, that, that's, there's a lot of, I think, problems on that. You know, right. you look I, at Luther and you look at the, 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 the you know the definitions. So, you know, how is anybody going to bring this together? I don't. I just there's, don't. There's I no. There's how. no one size fits all solution. I mean, I, I, I certainly. Not. I, I think. I think GIs can be helpful in in the right context. I think there are some places where it doesn't make any sense. We have a. Uh, you know, tons of new distilleries here in the United States. And every now and then I'll I'll hear someone say, Oh, like maybe we should have a, you know, an American rum, you know, GI. And I, what would it be? (laughs) It would be be meaningless right now. You don't, but then also the questions, you know, what, what does, what, what purpose are you fulfilling? Are you trying to help the consumer? Are you trying to keep people from harm? Are you trying to ensure quality? So you can't get defend. defend something, right. You know, so, I think that is the fundamental question you need to answer first before you arbitrarily just run Correct. into some bureaucratic system, yeah. essentially. Mm. But going back a little bit to what mm-hmm. Mark was saying earlier, I think it just happened last week where we had that question of, you know, so how long will you be aging, um, maturing your, your stock? And I think Mark's lovely answer was just, I don't know. Mm. And that precisely because it's not formulaic. It's based right. up on keeping an eye on what is happening, what flavors are developing, and based up on the decision and by the team, like let's say Devon and Mark, that is what's going to be driving the process. And I think that's also, again, it goes back to, I mean, I'm just throwing it out there for Crips, but let's say you had some kind of regulation that tells you, you must age this for this long and this climate, but these barrels, you know, you could just say, oh, well, you know, this is what you do. And then by the end of it, absolutely. you don't get that diversity or the uniqueness or the interest out of that in the end. You know, I'm not saying that it has no value, mm-hmm. but just looking at the, uh, the the production realities on the ground that I've observed now working at the story for the last three years, there's so many unknowns for us where we go into, and some of them are hypotheses right. that come true, and then there are lovely surprises that come out. And if we had to How watch, did you define something rule, now? Yeah, yeah. If we had rule definitions. We have principles that guide us and they go get us to good places. But if there were strict, meticulous little rules, mm-hmm. you may would be missing out on some of those nuggets. Well, um, I, we could go on. <laughs> we, we, we could go on all day. Um, I think you have to make us a free part. No, yeah, yeah. no I, but, but, first but, of all, like this is this is this right, is what, this is what we love. Um, yeah, yeah. But I, I, I don't. I want to be. We respectful. just wish we were there with you so yeah, we exactly. could experience it at the same time. We'll have to take a trip to Grenada soon um, or Grenada. Uh, I wanted. I wanted no. to ask one more thing about the aging. And then we'll we'll transition to our kind of fi- our finale of the interview. But you know, I was reading back through the Q and A you did with Matt. I think maybe in 2020, 
and he asked about if you were going to be selling, you know, any rum third party, and you said no. I noticed on the website now that it looks like there are casks available for purchase. And so I just wanted to ask yeah. about what that program looks like and also why you decided to, to make some available for people to buy. Well, um, yes, cash flow. Yeah. It's, 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 it's in its early phase of, of building a brand. We wanted a revenue stream so that we didn't, we weren't obliged to compromise the quality of what we're doing by trying to bring something to market too soon. Yeah. So, so it, it's, it's a hedge against that. So, so you, a company called Cast Trade in London, who are, who are Kavask, uh, whiskey and rum specialists, we give them a number of casks, uh, a number of different terroir, a number of different uh, farms to sell mm. to individuals who would like to have their own barrel, would like to have it, you know, their own label, mm-hmm. or you know, who you know, ideally sell it back to us, you know, uh, you know, when we really need it mm. uh, um, in, in in the years to come. Got so it. it's a necessity, it's a financing necessity, sure. and to spread the word, you know, to show what we're doing, so people can see the very different things <laughs> that we're we're doing. You know, this this is an oak that we we've we've used, which comes from Colombia. And mm. it's very high in eucalyptoids. Is this the Andean so oak? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is absolutely intriguing. Which I can smell, and you can't. I know. Would you like, <laughs> trying, would you trying to smell it through the screen. Would you, yeah. Would you like to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, um, uh, yes. you, you get that menthol flavor. I do. Yeah, the menthol <laughs> is really hitting me. Yeah. There is. We're not seeking a uniformity of outcome. Yeah. On the contrary. You know, we're, we're rejoicing in individuality and our creative abilities. Devon, you know, who is an absolute wonderful, wonderful man, and I wish he was here. He's actually over in in Ireland at the moment. Uh, oh, uh, wow. You know, when I first came across him, I explained what we were doing, and you could tell, you could see the light, eyes light up, and think, you know, this is what he's always wanted to do, <laughs> you know, to, you know, to create this huge, great play park. Right, uh, um, and I put it all there. All the toys are there for him to play with, and you know, it, it's it's well, that's this renegade project. It's bringing together all these renegades, all these different people, none of whom perhaps really envisaged exactly what was going to happen. But we brought them all together, and you know, including his distilling team. You yeah. know, I'm really proud. You know, an all female distilling team. I saw the articles the, that came out recently. Girls, yeah, yeah uh-huh. g- girls that would have left the island. That's the reality. They'd have gone with their degrees. They'd have gone away. They'd probably gone to America. They would have left and their families and the schools. You know, this this is this is what I derive a lot of pressure from, and it's it's completely incalculable. But it's the empowerment of of you know these young lads who are unemployed, who are now uh, mill engineers, they're they're the boiler engineers, they're distillers, they're they're warehouse keepers, Uh, the young ladies. Who who run our distilling team? These people that you know, would have left or been unemployed, and you know to see how that changes the economy, you know the local economy. You know, people buy a car and they you know because they that's very satisfying. And and I, I always use you know uh, Brooklady as an example of this. That you know one of the, my greatest satisfactions uh, uh, with Brooklady, not just seeing it around the world, but seeing botanist gin. Uh, advertised at halftime at the Super Bowl or whatever, you know, these things that I created. That's obviously a huge pride. But the biggest is a 17-year-old lad that came to see me back in 2000. And he said, have you got a job? 
And I said, what can you do? He said, well, I can paint the wall. I said, well, can you paint that wall? When you finish that, can you paint that one and then that one? And maybe take care of the crack in my window, right? (laughs) 23 23 years later, 23 years later, he's the distillery manager. Wow. He's Mm. married. He's got a local girl. He's got two kids. The school stays open. That that is what it means to me. I mean, you know, that that's part of our mission, part of our journey, is to bring people with us and show them what really can happen. I'm not saying it's you know what everybody should do or, or whatever. It's certainly not. Mm-hmm. But this is what we do, and uh, we're very happy to share it. Um, there's no there's no holds barred, warts and all. You know, we we we, we you know the doors open. And you know, we we uh, you know we cock it up. We quite happy to admit it. And I think it's that honesty which perhaps you know you guys may say, well, it's OCD. It's it's, it's like over top, over the top, and 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 compulsive. You know, but I think that you know there's a reason for it um, because we believe it. And I think that's very easy when you, you can share it with people because there's nothing to hide. You know that that's the point. There's nothing to hide. It's it's open book. I think the mm-hmm. the message I'm hearing there that you said is the doors are open. So anyone listening, if you're going to Grenada anytime soon, call up Jane, <laughs> call up Mark, <laughs> go by, see it all in person. Um, well, go, to, go to our website. Yeah, go to our website. Yeah, actually, yeah. I, as as uh, as a rum consumer, I really do appreciate the amount yeah. of information available on the website. It does give you kind of a great behind the scenes feel. So we'll put links up in the show notes to all of that. Thank you both so much YouTube. for what's the that? YouTube channel. The YouTube, YouTube, uh, YouTube. We, we, we've mm-hmm. got a YouTube channel, and 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 there, there's there's little vignettes, little films yeah. about you know certain aspects of what we've been doing, and we add to it all the time. You, but also, if you delve back, you'll find some of the very beginning mm. uh, uh, coverage. You know, some of the trials and tribulations that we've described during this talk. It's there on video, you know. All the mistakes uh, right uh, there for you to view, huh? <laughs> it's like the bloopers. <laughs> you, 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 you can feel the blood, the sweat, and the tears. It's yeah. all there, man. There's, it's um, all there. There, there's also there's a bunch of articles on the website, and one uh, we, we won't get into it now, but I know there are people listening who have looked at the cane code and have been like, Where's the Esther count information? You have an oh, article. Yeah. You have an article <laughs> yeah, about sure. this. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 I didn't. Don't feel, open up a can no, of worms. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I didn't feel the need no to bring it up because uh, it's oh, already yes, it's yeah. already written out. Why? Why? So I'll, we'll put a link up in the show notes to why <laughs> Esther counts are not you know part of Renegade's thing. Have us back for another conversation. Yeah, that's right. We'll, we'll need a lunch cannot, break we if we go there. So please, 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 let me at it. Mark. Mark's uh, champing at the bit. Um, He's ready. He's ready to but go. Before we go, we have we have one final thing. And I know this this interview has been about big, expansive answers, which we love. That's why we do the show. Yes. Um, it thrills us when we have a, a two-hour and 50-minute interview. That's what we live for. But the final segment of the show, it's a tra- tradition. Um, I know you're not a fan of tradition always, but I hope that you'll like this one. It's called the rapid fire round of questions. Uh, we put about a minute on the clock and the goal is quick, short answers uh, as quickly as possible. John is the 
John is the curator of this segment. That's right. He's, he's we cuvee the, this. Yes. <laughs> it's a cuvee of questions. Who's this, who's this addressed to? Jade, Jade, you want to answer these? Oh. So here's, I, I here's mean, a thought. I'm ready to rapid fire. Okay. Okay. But yeah, good luck to Mark. <laughs> Here, here's a thought. I, I have uh, the first few that I think are very quick this or that answers you both can do. And then I'm going to address each one of you for the rest of them. It'll go pretty quick. Uh, okay, as no, long no. as we keep it quick here and we'll go for short answers and it, there's no wrong answers, whatever you want to do, show your personality. And we have an unreliable timekeeper anyway, so... Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> all I right. can be very generous as a timekeeper. Um, John, who are you going to start with? Are you going to start with Are you going to start with Mark or Jane? We're going to do the first four is going to be for both of you. Okay. So I'm going to ask for both of you to respond quick answers for those and then I'll address each one after that. All right. Okay. I'm all right. going to start the clock and go. All right. Neat or on the rocks? How do you want your rum? Neat. Neat. Both neat. All right. Column, pot, or blend? What's your preference? Either. And Jane? Thinking of my favorites so far. Pot. Pot. Okay. Aged or unaged rum? Unaged. Aged. Ooh. Oh, I okay. like the difference there. And I'm going to ask this one for completeness sake because we ask everybody, but I know the answer. Molasses or cane juice? No, I figure. Appropriate. All right, Mark. Um, Mark, can we expect to see Renegade rum aged in casks that previously held Brooklady or Waterford whiskey? Probably not. Okay. How about wine? Uh, well, French oak inevitably is wine. Uh, uh, but Got it's not it. the wine that's relevant. It's the quality of the oak. All right. Jane, uh, Renegade's rum lo- Rum's logo includes the two R's in a very creative way. And I know Mark's last name also starts with R. So it seems to be a theme. So I wanted to say, would you rather have a Renegade Rum spokesperson be one of the following? Rama Rao Jr., who is the star of the new Oscar-nominated Bollywood hit movie RRR. Or Game of Thrones author George R.R. R. Martin. Or it could be LeVar Burton, beloved host of the American's children TV program, Reading Railroad. Or or maybe Robert Redford. Do you have a choice there? Or Rolls Royce. Martin, if he ever managed to finish the final book. Yes. yes. Finish Winds of Winter. <laughs> Come on. And I heard Mark also pitch in there with Rolls Royce. Nice one. Rolls Royce. All right. Uh, Mark, your favorite person to talk about making rum with? Devin. Okay, that yeah, made choice. sense. We have to have Devin on the show at some point. Yes. Jane, what rum distillery comes to mind, not in Grenada, that you think to yourself, yeah, they're doing really good things there? Ooh, that's mean. Um, <laughs> that is mean. <laughs> that's unfair. That's unfair. You that guys can unfair, jump yeah, in, I... either one of you, if you want. Um, I, don't, I don't think I can pick one That's rum a diplomatic answer. Well done. No, no, no. No, but, no, no, no I'm not, but I will say rum region, and I think Martinique I have a, have a big heart for. Okay. Makes sense. All right. Mark, the best whiskey for rum drinkers. Oh, well, Waterford, of course. <laughs> ah, I knew you I had a feeling. And what oh, about man. this? What's the best rum for whiskey drinkers? Well. You better say <laughs> Renegade. <laughs> I mean, obviously. I don't know any. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Jane, any truth to the rumor that one of the cane codes on a random bottle of Renegade actually makes you the winner of a secret contest for an all-expenses-paid trip to Renegade Rum <laughs> Distillery and free rum for life? You're setting us up. <laughs> you, you, you did compare. You compared yourself to Willy Wonka earlier. I was going to so. say that is the plot of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. So I figured well, I might as well ask. Well, 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 we could. They, we could they, try they, this. You'll never yeah. know. <laughs> it's out there somewhere. There, 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 there is something there which, we, which we're working on. But that's that. Oh, so there okay. might be a grain of truth in there. All right. We'll look forward to that. Mark, finally, um, we talked about the term precask for your current unaged releases, and we know your cask age releases are. 
coming soon. Um, in the future, if I bought a cask and I've fully imbibed one of those releases, am I allowed to then refer to that rum as post cask? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Post traumatic. <laughs> That's all right. So great. You made it awesome. to the end. Well done. Very awesome. good. Very Thank good. You guys Thank so you all much. so much. That was fun. <laughs> all right. Enjoy the rest well, of your day. Um, yes. Thank you again. Marathon interview. Great stuff. Um, yeah. Everyone, we'll put links up to the show notes. You can check out everything we've talked about. And yes, thank you both for being here. We appreciate it. Awesome. We hope to make it to Grenada soon. But uh, well, thank you very much. Uh, but we will be coming to you. Oh, um, when will you be here? The important thing. Yeah, we will be coming to you. Uh, uh, so, so um, all spring uh, we got various things uh, uh, happening. So the the, the etude is arriving in the in the states, which it's arrived. It's now there. So it, oh. it will start to uh, filter out. There's not much. There's not much. Has, of the first has to get through two, our lovely two, distribution two. system. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, tell correct. me about it. Yeah. So there's, there's not much. The first two, the next two etudes. Are being bottled at the moment, okay, um, and they'll be there in 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 the summer, and then of course the uh, single farms will be coming, yes. uh, two of them um, in, in the autumn. So these are starting to come through, but at the moment it's going to be you know slowly, slowly, gently, gently, and we're just going to build it up. Yeah. So keep an eye out for it and uh, enjoy it when you when you when you see it. I mean, and let us know okay. what you think. You know, we're, we're, yeah. As I said, you know. This is how I think it. You know, this is my vision. This is like yeah. we we we're very happy to hear what other people think, and I'm sure, and I hope we haven't upset anybody. Uh, I'm sure we probably have. Um, you know, it's not intentional, um, and I hope there's no, no miscommunication, misunderstanding. It's been a pleasure to speak with you guys about what we're doing uh, and sharing it. And what I really, really long for is the chance to share a dram or a drum as we are calling it, uh, uh, with you in the future. So, so, so cheers. And thanks cheers. very much for, yes. for, for cheers, um, letting us explain Renegade to you. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of The Rumcast. If you'd like to learn more about Renegade Rum and everything they're doing, we'll put a link up to their website in the show notes, as we mentioned during the interview. Very informative, lots of articles, lots of details on their rums, the distillery, the cane fields, all that good stuff. So check it out. You'll find a ton of information there. Uh, If you want to share your thoughts with us on the episode, if you have questions, suggestions for anything for us to cover in the future, you can always reach us via email host at rumcast.com that's h-o-s-t at rumcast.com or you can send us uh, comments messages on social media so we are at the rumcast on facebook and instagram twitter as well and last but not least if you'd like to get some extra rumcast episodes join us for some online happy hours that kind of thing you can support the show and get in on all of that at patreon.com slash the rumcast that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash the rumcast and yeah thanks again for listening and we will see you next time <laughs>